Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Hey everyone, and welcome to episode two of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. Before we get to today's guest, I just wanted to say to Hendo and Cardiff, Blair and Ripley, and Carl and Krimichow, I did not cry in episode one. I only got choked up. There is a difference. And Carl, I don't have to have an opening. I said welcome to Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And at the end of the episode, I don't need a closing because I said goodbye. So... Anyways, guys, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Hope everyone enjoys round two. Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today I am so excited to have on the fittest, jackedest, 35-year-old your wife has ever seen. Just an absolute beefcake that uh, you don't want uh, your wife following on Instagram because I tell you, um, you know, he uh, makes you feel bad about yourself. But a 10-year pro, his journey took him to Italy, Norway, Hungary, and Japan and is the inspiration for starting this podcast, Jeff Lavecchio. How are you doing today? Wow, that's a big lead-in, uh, almost as big as other things that I'm working with. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast, Wally. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's fantastic to have you on, man, because uh, when you invited me on to do your podcast about, I think it was a month ago, that the Hockey Think Tank, um, for any of you that want to take a listen, it's a great uh great podcast that I was listening to, and that's how I ended up going on it, but uh Anyways, um, that was the inspiration for starting this was uh, going on there with you and realizing it was a fun time. And uh, I realized that my wife and kids could have that memory forever. And uh, I want to do that for all my buddies. Yeah, man. Now I am. Yeah, dude, I'm so happy for you. Like, it's so exciting. It's really cool to hear that we inspired you coming on because we've had so much fun over the last, I think we've been doing it now for like, either a year and a half or two and a half years and literally your episode and, and probably one after it put us over half a million downloads. So thank you to you. Yeah. I don't think it was uh, my episode that put you over the top uh, with the, <laughs> with the other people you've had on there. I think uh, it was uh, Daryl Belfry, right? Right after me, which is the skills coach of Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, I, basically Nathan McKinnon, every top guy, yeah. That's who you had on after me, eh? Like, <laughs> way to make me feel dirty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just two great humans. Two great humans. You know, it doesn't matter if he got like 20,000 downloads and you got like five. It's okay. It's not a competition. 
um no but actually since we're talking about it i wouldn't mind bringing this up since you're the inspiration is within two days of uh putting out the first episode which i didn't really know what i was doing and i got it out there within two days it was listened to in 10 countries if you well if you count the uk as one country but it was listened to in the uk canada the us germany denmark switzerland austria france and I know the Welsh goat listened to Norway and Kumar in India, um, which will be a fantastic podcast if I ever get a sponsor. Let me tell you. <laughs> Dude, that's so exciting and so awesome. Spreading the Wally brand, spreading the Wally brand across the world, man. <laughs> I, yeah, like it really all just happened really fast, man. After I did your podcast and I realized how much I enjoyed it, I uh, was walking the dog and, uh, I thought, why not me? Why, why can't I do this? Like, why, why can't I start one? Like, it really doesn't matter how many people listen. Um, so what I did was I told Lisa I was thinking about it. And I gave her my name that I was thinking of. And I told my neighbor Holt here. Um, and it was called like Hockey Adventures with Wally. And both of them were like, are you like talking to little kids? Like, what, what, what? Um, so they both kind of laughed at me. And then uh, that night, uh, Holt texted me and uh, he texted me the name because he says, what's your idea? What's your vision? And I said, well, I want to have a beer with an old friend and reminisce or somebody I have never met that has a great hockey story that you sit down and have a beer with and hear their story. Um, so he came up with this name. And then that night, I, as soon as I saw the name, I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. I sent it to a, he was a fan in Cardiff that could do uh, logos and designs. Uh, Lee, he's Freeman Designs. He made the logo. So I send him the, the name. I go to sleep at 10 at night. I wake up in the morning and the logo was sitting there waiting for me in my email. And uh, like to think of the people that have helped me get this going and how fast it all happened in a week. And then all those people listening, it's uh, quite overwhelming. And uh, I know you know about that if you got over half a million downloads on your podcast. Yeah, man. But it's just, I mean, that just, I think for you, it just shows you, you're one of the most affable, likable, most fun teammates I've ever had. You know, we only got to play one year together when I was a freshman and you were a senior, but you know, it made a lasting imprint on me and, and just like, you know, I came from a junior team and I, I don't know if you remember like freshman year, I was like so intense and like, you, you know, and you just, you were so good, but you had so much fun and I had always wanted to be kind of that way and, and learning from you kind of changed the way I, I approached like the game a little bit and, and for the better, it was, it was really cool. So, I mean, I think it just speaks volumes about you as a person. Oh, well, thank you. But, uh, I think I probably could have used a little more of your seriousness um, off the ice because um, like realistically, I was as serious as they got when it was game time. But uh, when game time was over, like I, I enjoyed uh, hanging out with the team as much as I enjoyed playing the game. So, you know, I maybe could have used a little more of uh, that side afterwards. But uh, why don't we get into your story? Because this is not about me. Uh, this is about your story. And uh Let's uh, go to what are you doing now, actually? Like, we haven't even discussed other than the podcast. 
Uh, yeah, I, uh, I own a gym and a training company called Ripped Hockey in St. Louis. And then I obviously, like we talked about, I've done the Hockey Think Tank podcast. And through my gym, I started a clothing line just for my clients. And through the podcast and my Instagram, like it's kind of started to take off a little bit. I have it tattooed on me. It's called uh, GMBM. It's called Give More, Be More. It's the way I've always tried to live my life. If I, if I wanted to be good at hockey, like I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't like you. I didn't have like insane natural, uh, natural instincts, like natural talent. Like obviously I, I had more than a house leaguer, obviously, but like I, I didn't have that super, super high end skill. And I learned that, you know, when I was six, 17, my first year junior. And so for me, I always had to give more to even be on the same playing field as or close to someone like you. And so I got good more, be more tattooed on me. That's how I try and live my life, give more to others. And I know that I'll be more myself and I create a clothing line and that's been kind of taken off too. And then just training, training all the hockey players in St. Louis, NHL players. And now I only go down to like 16 year old AAA players. And I have some staff that are going to train the, the, the younger guys up kind of like a farm system for me. And if they make it to, uh, I haven't decided yet if it'll be like juniors or college, then they'll get to train with me. Uh, yeah, like I've kind of watched it over the years, watch your uh, company grow a bit. Uh, it's actually crazy to see, but you also have uh, an app where due to COVID people can train with you all over the world, right? Yeah. And the, you know what, the, you know what, literally I've had probably like, cause it, I, I send some to like people for free. And then I, I work with teams where it's kind of on the side, but using the app. So I think I probably had about over 2000 people use it since March of last year. And I didn't really have an online business other than for pro hockey players. I knew before that. And out of all of that, I'm not kidding you. One of the coolest gets for me wasn't an NHL all-star NHL Vesna trophy candidate. It was stretchy from Western Michigan university. Stretchy's been using the program. This is week. My programs week three or four for him. And he messages every, at the end of every workout. He puts in how he felt one day. He had to skip a couple things. He's like, Vex, I skipped a couple things, but just so you know, I'm going to come back and do them later. And I actually believe him like me getting stretchy on a fucking workout app is literally one of the best accomplishments of my life. <laughs> uh, we went over uh, podcast pointers beforehand and you told me to try not to laugh into the mic uh, while you're talking. Uh, but uh, let me tell you, <laughs> just stretchy uh, doing your workout program makes me feel absolutely horrible about myself because I even DM'd you. I told you, I said, I'm on the train. Let's go. I'm getting into it. I said, I'm too fat. Let's do it. And uh, then I check it out because I, if I can't commit to something, I don't want to tell you I'm going to do it and start and then give up. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it the whole way. Um, that makes me just so happy. Um, so happy. Like, I just think it's hilarious because... Uh, yeah, that is just, that just is <laughs> so stretchy. Um, I've actually asked him to come on this someday to discuss our NARCH championship in roller <laughs> hockey in Florida. You <laughs> still, you still talk about, that's all you talked about when I was a freshman and you were a senior in 2005, you guys are still blowing each other over a fucking roller hockey tournament. Um, absolutely not. I actually sometimes forget it. Like, I don't forget about it, but like that is stretches like all time 
uh holy grail um i think he like still sleeps with the pictures of us with the trophy um and i don't even think he needs the ipad to do other things he just looks at the pictures of the roller hockey tournament um but anywho um (laughs) aside from stretch you work it out i think we should get back on topic (laughs) because we got a lot to cover here man like you played in hungary and japan so let's let's keep the bus moving and worry about uh if you can transform stretchy's body though from a milk bag um like because he's skinny fat if you can change him into something else who kathleen will be happy my goodness his new wife what a sweetheart like she'll be so happy that he just he doesn't have those chippy tits anymore Yeah, man. I, I mean, obviously, if he was in person, I could I could be helping him even more. But this is the next best thing. So I'm really excited and hope he continues past week uh, week one. And and if there's any other Western Michigan guys uh, listening to this, like any guys I ever played with, I'll send you my training for free all the time. Steve Silver has been using it for since March, since he's been using it the entire time. He lost like 40 pounds. Like, dude, he's shredded. Like he literally, we talk all the time. He's always doing the workouts. He created his own home gym. I helped him kind of decide what he needed in there so he could do my workouts and he's killing it. It's, it's super exciting. So any other, any other Western alums, I'm sure uh, some of the old boys will listen to this dude, reach out to me and I'll send you my stuff for free hundred percent all the time. Um, well, like, yeah, I know you do stuff like that, not just for the Western Michigan boys too. And that's why you're so successful. So, um, and I also saw silvers into jujitsu and whatnot too, kind of makes me jealous, but anyways, we better move on, man. We got a lot to cover and, uh, we haven't even, yeah. Let, so how did your childhood go from there? Did we, we didn't go from childhood to Western Michigan and how you got there. Did we? We haven't even talked about childhood yet, bro. That was pre-show. I was gonna say, like, man, we yeah. How many? Are you sure you're only at one, one, one ale? Are you at man? Well, we no. Okay, here we go. Childhood to Western Michigan. Bring bring me the story. The the short the short version. Grew up in St. Louis. Uh, Hockey was just starting to get pretty big. Um, Then people literally used to laugh at us, like when we'd go to tournaments for AAA teams. When I started playing AAA, and like you're from St. Louis, they even play hockey there. Like I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I literally remember being at a select festival when I was 15, hearing the Michigan guys who were in my room. They thought I was asleep, and I heard them say, "Man, these guys from St. Louis are actually not bad at hockey." And like, I remember being happy that guys from Michigan thought that because Michigan was the end all be all. But I also remember thinking, fuck you. I'm going to fucking show you one day. I will show you. And also everyone in that room, I had a better career by a thousand percent that I'll never forget who was saying it. But anyways, uh, so, so I grew up, you know, playing triple A hockey. I wasn't very good in seventh grade. I realized as a fourth liner, Hey, like I need to work harder if I want to be anything. And that's where my work ethic started. And so I went to junior hockey as kind of, you know, I, started to do a lot better played in a line with Paul Stasny in high school we were nasty um I get I get drafted by a USHL team I go there and then I suck again coach is all over me he hates me you know absolute dickhead to me like no one should ever be treated the way I was treated by that coach it's literally insane um like literally insane the mind games and and all these things and and you know that was really hard on me it gave me anxiety which i had never had before insomnia all this stuff because i just wanted to succeed but it wound up making me a tougher person for sure no doubt about it um my third year i accepted a scholarship to western michigan 
Uh, I had a bunch of other schools talking to me, some really big schools, but I would have had to play a fourth year junior. And for anyone who's played three years in a good junior league, like it's a grind. I mean, 60 game season, you, pr- you never get days off. Like at least we did. And our team was psychos, uh, preseason playoffs. We would fight each other. We had, I got more practice fights in three years in juniors and there were real fights just in practice against my own teammates than I probably did in my whole career combined. I probably get in like 30 fights over three years. It was insane. Like literally we were so intense and we were all on edge because of the way the coach treated us. Um, but anyways, after Christmas of my third year, I went on a visit to uh, Mankato and so I go on this visit to Mankato and they're dropping shots in my beer. And as you know, I'm not a big drinker and they're dropping shots in my beer. And I literally, it's the only time in my, my whole life that I've ever blacked out. I woke up somehow to my alarm, like 5 a.m. puke all over the hotel room. I'm not proud of this. It's the only time it's ever happened in my life. All over the shower. There's puke literally everywhere. And, and I was just like, what the fuck? Like had to like cancel, like the meetings with the teachers and the coaches, they still wanted me. I was embarrassed. I was like, dude, I don't drink. And they were like force feeding me drinks. And I wasn't going to say no. And so I really didn't have a good experience. And then my second visit was to Western Michigan. And, uh, I didn't know any, I didn't even know Western Michigan was a division one school till they messaged me till Brooksy talked to me. And then I watched their, the first game I watched of them was on FSN Detroit and it was U of M at Western. And I was like, Holy shit. Western Michigan is disgusting. Like this is the sickest rink ever. I was like, I've never even heard of this team. Like, this is amazing. I went on the visit and I I could tell the team wasn't great on the visit, but I I was like, I'm probably going to have a chance to play here. Whether they think so or not, I'm going to make them play me here. And so uh, I loved the coaches, loved Colhane, loved Brooksy. They were great guys. All of the boys who I met and Mike Erickson was a big part of that. I looked up to him and juniors um, playing against him and, and all the boys were awesome. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to be a good fit here. And I think I'll play here. Um, so I went to Western Michigan instead of some of the other big schools and one of the best decisions I've ever made in my whole life, if not the best decision. Um, doing these, I'm realizing, um, I have so many things to ask that like, it's hard to fit into an episode because like you said, you got drafted in the USHL, right? In Canada, we don't have that. You don't get drafted to anything but major junior. So that really makes something click here where I'd like to discuss that where you guys literally can be growing up anywhere. So how, how wide of a range can you get drafted to play like essentially just junior hockey to try and get a scholarship? So you're leaving home, not even to play major junior. You're leaving home like who knows how far, right? How, how wide's the range to leave? Your uh, the league, the league's pretty big now there's teams all over, but something that us older guys and you're older than me, especially Canadians, like the USHL is unbelievable. Like I remember a few years that maybe when I was in college or pro first year's pro um, my old USHL team went up and played all the QMJHL teams and spanked them all. So like the USHL now is like legit, legit. Like it is a really, really good league. Um, Even back when I was playing, it was the best junior league and it would compete with probably 90%, 93% of OHL, WHL uh, Q teams. Like it is a really good league. So I think, um, so like being drafted into that is, is similar to being drafted in a major junior. I'd say, honestly, only you're going to go to college after that. So like you're a pro, 
in terms of like, if you're going to go pro, you maybe you're a little bit later in development or you just have a different path. You're going to go play one year of college and then turn pro or, or four years, you know? Um, but yeah, I don't even remember anything about the draft back then. It was one of the first years and it wasn't even a, that big of a deal, but now dude, cause I train, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds. It's like, it's, it's literally like NHL draft day and they call it the U show. I got drafted in the U show and I have to pee pee slap them and be like, boys, it does. This means nothing. Like, I'm happy for you. Congratulations. Like, seriously, it is. It, that's awesome. But literally after today, this means nothing. You didn't even make the team yet. I've had so many guys who get drafted and then wind up being cut from that team. Um, so they just, you know, they're just trying to, the teams are just trying to like grab all the best players and stockpile them. And if they're on their team, great. And if they're not, they don't care. Uh, not that they don't care, but you know what I mean? It's not a big deal. So yeah, dude, now it's a big deal. When I was a kid, it wasn't really. Um. Yeah, because I remember when I went to college, I don't think the USHL was not what it is now. And I yeah, I, sure. and I know it became a, like a powerhouse kind of, I guess it would have been near the end of my college, right? When you were coming up, yeah. that was when it was really growing. But um, okay, that was just one question. Thank you for explaining. Um, I just think of it because I got kids and like my son's into hockey and it's like, well, geez, these years go by fast to the point where they're like, at what age do you want them to move out? But anyways, it's a great, hey, that's a great question too. Well, like, it is like, you don't want your kid scary. to leave. Yeah. Like you don't scary, want your kid man. to leave, but you also want them to uh, be a big boy. And you know, it made me grow it. up. Maybe I left home at 15 and a half actually to go play midgets first, because like I said, St. Louis wasn't great. And, and that was really, I'm very close with my family. That was super, super hard, but it made me grow up. I was pretty immature. Um, and, and it made me grow up faster and made me way more responsible, you know? So like, for me, it was a great thing. It's, I think it's just a family by family decision. Uh, and I agree. I was probably again on the opposite spectrum. I was at home the whole time and uh, probably didn't need to grow up because I was just in my hometown doing my own thing and uh, living with mom and dad and have all my buddies. And I really didn't need to grow up until I was in Western Michigan. And uh, yeah. So anyways, we better uh, continue on because I, I have so many things go through my brain talking to hockey players, man, of all the things I want to talk about. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that really scares me when you talk about St. Louis and how far it's come, I see what you're doing down there. I see the facilities. I see what these players have to get better. And man, as a Canadian, it scares the shit out of me. Um, cause we don't have that. We don't have any of that where I am. We don't have anything even close to that. Um, but yeah, like, I don't think Canadians realize how, like we think we're the best, which, you know, a lot of times we are, but like where the USA is going, the, um, ascent or yeah, yeah that's a word that's a word i think so yeah so like you guys are getting better at a very rapid pace like you guys are like you know humping like bunnies down there big fan of that big fan of humping like bunnies yeah man it's <laughs> it's crazy the hockey business that's also a reason we started our podcast to talk about there are so much there's so much good going on but that's also invited so many scumbag slimeball human beings that just want to take people's money because they know that parents or kids will do anything to try to get to that next level, you know? Uh, but yeah, man, it's like crazy. Like everything that's, 
that that's progressed since I've been finished playing in just three years. I'm like, Oh my God, I wish I had that four or five years ago. Like, Oh my God. Or, or when I was under NHL contract, like, God, I wish I had this when I was with the Bruins, like I would have been way better. Who knows what could have happened, you know, but instead of like how some guys, I think like look back and then that makes them sad. I look back because I'm still in training hockey players. So I'm in the hockey world. I look at it. I'm like, dude, look, I didn't do any of this. And I know for a fact how much it's helping you. So like, don't stop doing it. And I can be like, look, like if I had this, like it would have changed me, like take advantage. And if you don't, you're going to look back and be mad at yourself for not taking advantage. So yeah, dude, there's so much, so many avenues, mental coaches, strength coaches, on ice, off ice, like, like nutritionists, like, like sense arena, the stuff where it's like VR, literally virtual reality where they're playing goalies and players you can like practice with a headset on in your living room it's nuts it's like i got deals with like vision companies where they train your eyes to be stronger on an ipad you do it three times a week and it's guaranteed to make your eyes stronger if your eyes are stronger you're going to be better on the ice like all these little tiny things that that i'm searching for my guys to try and teach them so that they'll have a leg up and you know, hopefully the Americans keep doing it and the Canadians don't. So we win more world junior championships like uh, this year. Um, yeah, I, as much as I hate to say it, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised that that'll be coming in the, the next decade for all the Canadian fans listening. I'm sorry I said that. Um, but uh, like, yeah, I, I see like the U.S. development program. And uh, like, if I'm being honest... Like Colby's got dual citizenship, man. Like if he was actually good, like I would rather that, that route than what you do in Canada. But like, you know, Canadian people may not like hearing this. So let's move on. Um, So this is a guy who uh, went from being a freshman. um, I believe he had someone else living in the hotel room with him. Um, at the start of the season. And then the coaches realized who they had, what he was about, how he can inspire people, get people working out. And um, then they switched him to become my uh, hotel roommate to, I guess, inspire me and um, get me living right. Because then he started teaching me about vegetables and carbs. And um, he was actually the first person that taught me um, to keep drinking water until it pees clear the night before a game. And we would, uh, he'd make me sit there and drink water until it was clear and I couldn't go to bed. And let me tell you, that's not good when you grew up as a bedwetter. Oh, the things you didn't know literally still amaze me, but that's why you are Wally. Um, amazing. I, yeah, no, like I, I, like I didn't know any of it. Right. Like I, I, uh, I was just living, man. I still am. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, it was, it was unreal getting a room with you too. Cause like I said, I don't like you literally brought every day you were smiling every day you were having fun. If you played a bad game, like it's not that you didn't, you weren't upset that you played a bad game by any means, but you were able to like, get over it or, or like 
still live. If I had a bad game, like back then, like literally, I, I literally would go in the car and I would grab my steering wheel and try and like rip it off and scream fuck as loud as I could. Cause I was so mad that like I played bad or I, I let the team down and that wasn't like pressure from anyone else it was pressure from myself. And, you know, and then like, I see a guy like you, like you rarely ever had bad games, but if you did like, or we lost, or we got spanked, which I'm sure we did a bunch that year, like, you could still live your life and enjoy it. And that's something that I needed to see because where I came from in juniors, it was like, if we lost or we didn't play well, the world was over. So it was really eye-opening and, and instrumental in, in my hockey career moving forward to see that. Um, well, what I would say to that though, is <clears throat> I internally, um, would yeah i i couldn't handle not playing good i really couldn't i couldn't handle it at all but maybe that was the uh the vision i put out there that but like if something was my fault and like they scored because i messed up i would be the first one to say that is on me right like i'm not i don't think it makes sense like the game's over right like the game's over you went in there with the best of intentions to play great. If it doesn't go good, review it, figure out why it didn't go good. There's no point on being that mad about it. It's already over. Like you can't change it. That's that's always my vision. But then there were times where like you cost the game. There's there has actually two times in my career where I remember like I cost the team the game. And I still remember the two times that happened. Um, so it's not like I could continue my life with it. But anyways, we need to keep going, man. We got to keep moving. We keep buzz. Talking. Yeah. So you left school early. So you went there, not even on a complete full ride, we'll say. You went from that to becoming the captain in a year to then leaving school after your junior season, which a lot of people thought I was going to do, but then there was a lockout that year and I never got the opportunity, but you actually had to make that decision. I never did. So um, the lockout took care of that for you. What, how did you decide like you were ready and it was time to go and um, you didn't need to do another year of school and even that graduate? Well, it was actually the easiest decision ever because I had over 20, 25 NHL teams trying to sign me after my sophomore year. I had a really good year. I played on a line with your boy, Paul Shahura and, uh, and Patrick O'William O'Gallivan. And, you know, like for me, I, I always could score goals, but I wasn't a guy like you who could like go through the whole team and score. I needed to be in the right spot and somebody either had to give me a breakaway or I just had to get it in the right spot because I was a shooter or I had to stand in front. Like I couldn't like do, I had like three ways I could score and I literally couldn't do anything else. So I was like, when I played with Chewy and, and Galley, they would just give me the puck on a breakaway, like once a game, you know, I was good at breakaways or they'd find me in the slot, you know, all alone where I had a little bit of time to get like a hard shot off. So playing with them was unbelievable and you know confidence is unreal your confidence is high so I scored a bunch of goals that year and, and and did really well and the team did well so I had so many teams wanting to sign me the Ducks were taking me to lunches and dinners and I met with the Sharks for dinner and like 
Anaheim took me to Detroit's uh, playoff series, all the games. I was down there meeting the coaches and some of the players. And they were like, we, you know, if you want to stay another year, it's up to you. If you want to sign, we'll sign you to cap right now. And my stupid ass, um, I, I listened to the coaches and, and uh, which I'm not being mad at them at all. They were telling me their honest opinion. I still believe that they were being honest with me. They said, we don't think you're ready for pro hockey yet. We want you to play another year. And so we decided after that year and I said, okay, then this will be my last year, my junior year. And, uh, and then I'm going to leave just so you know. And we were, they were cool with that. And uh, we lost Shahura because he's graduated. And Mark Latestu, who I also played with sometimes, um, cause he signed after his freshman year with Pittsburgh cause he won rookie of the year in the CCHA. And then like, instead of having two sick lines, we only had one decent line. And so now like all the teams, I got their best offenders and uh, people were, you know, whatever. And I did, and I just, I didn't play well. I didn't have as good a year. I was so worried. We weren't good. Like we were the year before. Um, so that was very fucking stressful for me as a captain going from like last place to like, whatever we got fifth place. And one year and I was the captain, I felt like I was a big part of that. And then we sucked the next year. It was very hard on me. Um, so there's only two teams that wanted to sign me and I signed with Boston. So it was a super easy decision. I was like, well, fuck. I went from like every team wanting to sign me to two teams wanting to sign me. So I better sign this because if I stay another year, who knows what's going to happen? Um, wow. I, I, man, that all sounds very familiar. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't even. Ah, <laughs> uh, Um, yeah. I mean, I had fifty points after my junior year, and uh, and somehow I was convinced not to even have an agent yet. Right. So, um, I won't get into that. I don't think I need to get into that. This is a fun podcast. Um, <clears throat> so, um. I, uh, I understand where you're going with that. Um, that, yeah, that they, yeah, that's hard. It's hard. I, I truly do believe still that they were, they weren't doing it to like, keep me. They, they were telling me what they thought unless that the only thing is if they didn't know, like I was ready for pro hockey, then I was on fucking fire. I would have played in the NHL the next year. If I signed with Anaheim, I believe that not like, Oh, maybe I would have, like, I would have made it happen. You know, like that, that's how I feel. Um, but I didn't. So I went a different route and, and I got a, that bad concussion, which kind of ruined my career before it started. But like, you know, it, it was a decision I made and, you know, I'm going to live with it. I'm not going to be upset about it. Well, and that's, yeah, man, you, you are as hard a worker as I've ever seen. And like, there's no doubt, whatever you decide to do, you're going to do. And that's why we should, I guess we need to bring up like, so you've worked that hard. You go from not even a full scholarship to become the captain after a year to then uh, signing with the Bruins after your third year. Um, and I honestly have never talked to you about it. I know kind of what happened, but me and you weren't really in contact at the time. Um, I've seen what concussions can do to people and it's scary shit, man. Yeah, it was it was wild. Yeah, like I signed and whatever. Like two days later, I was on a flight to Boston, got my test. I go to to go to Providence. They still had fourteen games left because we got swept in playoffs for for uh, at Western. So I literally was there for like almost a third of the season. Like like 
close to a third of the season with the team in regular season. So that was pretty cool. And I played really, really well, you know, like talked to Claude Julian, who was a coach in Boston at the time. And he's like, you know, we really love the way you're playing. Like you're going to play. They played me in playoffs, even though I had a broken wrist, my last game of regular season, I, I smoked a guy and like the way I hit him fractured my wrist. So I missed the first round of playoffs, second round of playoffs comes and they asked me to play with a cast on. And I was like, fucking right. So they were playing me over first and second rounders that just signed pro also the same year I did. So I'm playing with the cast on, even though I can't even shoot and uh, you know, playing all through the playoffs. So that was awesome. I go home in the summer. I, I find out that I tore cartilage in my wrist and cartilage doesn't heal well. So I had to wear this like gunslinger cast from my shoulder to my elbow at a 90 degree angle for two and a half months, wasn't allowed to skate. So I get that cast off the next day I go to skate for the first time since the season ended. And in St. Louis, it's really hot here in the summer. Um, some of the rinks in the summer, the ceiling, there's like, it's like there's condensation. So like water drips down from the ceiling and they, this rink I grew up at, they didn't do a good job at, ever. We all knew this about getting bubbles off the ice. There'd be bubbles that looked like little igloos that were like three inches tall. So like I, as a kid going out there, I always remember be like, Oh my God, there's a lot of bubbles out here. We'd be skating around trying to chip away at them. So this is my first day skating. I guess it was the first drill. I don't even remember. I lost over 12 hours in my memory. Um, first drill was like skate after warming up, like sprint just down half a lap and then come back down long strides, full speed. I don't remember, but I guess I went to stop right at the goal line from going full speed. And I hit one of those, those little fucking bump igloos and I got knocked out and I had all these neck problems. And I woke up like 12 or 13 hours later on my parents' couch, just like, where am I? Like, what the fuck happened? And they told me, and, uh, you know, like I had all these tests done. I don't remember like MRIs, CT scans in my brain. Don't remember any of it. There was no bleeding on my brain, but you know, I just thought it was going to be like, uh, a month, a, week, a couple of weeks. I had, con- I had multiple concussions before that. I had one a few months before just an abdicator hit me head to head, like such a stupid ass fucking thing to do. That hit makes me more mad than me falling. His helmet like hit my helmet in the side and I got a concussion playing against state. And I played through that because I knew Boston was coming the next weekend. So I had a concussion and I played through it, which was stupid. Um, But anyways, so I get that bad one. I keep thinking, oh, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Like it's going to be a week and a week turned into two weeks into four weeks into a couple months. All of a sudden now training camp starting for my first year of my NHL contract. And I haven't worked out, skated, done anything for like two and a half months, not three months at that time. So I had to go through my first NHL camp, like, Dude, this was like, I haven't even talked about this, how weird that was. So I'm in camp. All of my dreams came true a few months ago. And then all of a sudden, like slowly being pulled away from me bit by bit. And uh, I'm at camp and I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone because I'm embarrassed and I don't want them to ask how I got the concussion. Like, oh, it's fucking power skating. Like, oh, you know, and then that stresses me out. That gives me anxiety. And I have all these problems. I can't go into a grocery store. Being around crowds was like, I literally almost throw up because my vestibular system was fucked up. My eyes and my brain were fucked up. So it was like fucking hell just being around there. And they kept me around like till the last guy got cut just because they wanted me to be around the team. But that was probably making it worse. I didn't want to say anything because I was embarrassed. I was nervous, you know, like, so it was, it was pretty bad, but they're like, you know, obviously you're going to make the team in Providence. Like we love you get an apartment right away. And, but then <laughs> for treatments, I was driving to Boston four days a week, which was only like an hour drive, but they're like, you want to live in Boston? And I should have, but I was embarrassed that what happened, 
So I was like, no, 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 I'll go down to Providence. I'm going to be fine soon. I'm going to be fine soon. And for like the next eight months, four days a week, I'd drive an hour down the highway. I'd go to one hospital, see some doctors, go to another hospital, see some doctors. And then I would drive home for like seven months, eight months, whatever it was. And nothing was making me better, dude. It was fucking hell. It was, it was wild. I had nightmares every night that my, my teeth were falling out every night, every single night, my teeth were falling out. Like so real. I'd wake up my whole bed would be drenched in sweat. I'd have my fingers in my mouth feeling around if I still had teeth. It, it was, it was a wild time, dude. Yeah. His crew is dark. And like, like, cause I've had, I had a concussion as a young kid, never had any like major ones as a grown up. I had like the stingers where like you couldn't see the other side of the arena, you know, like where it's, yeah. it's fuzzy and you can't like really figure out where the puck is, but I didn't have the ones where you're like, you don't remember it since I was a kid, I had one, but that is, uh, it's scary stuff. And like, it is something though, like when you see there, I don't know the Yeah. Let's whatever. We're, we're going to get into something different than that. <laughs> um, it's yeah. Like all I was going to say is though, like me and you both know what we signed up for, right? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> We I'm signed up to play hockey and we knew yeah. what could happen. Like yeah. we did, we got hurt. We got yeah. hurt a lot. Yeah. I'm not, I, I, that, that was one. I took a slap shot in the face the next year, got knocked out, felt like I got electrocuted in the AHL, you know, got elbowed in the head in the AHL. I got hit from behind in the coast, broke six bones in my jaw. Uh, Cause some Russian piece of shit cheap shot of me in the back of the head after missing a breakaway on my old Western Michigan university goalie like took another puck in the face and other leagues like, but, but I wanted to keep doing it. And there, there's no one to blame. I'm not mad at anyone. I fucking loved it. And like, I do it again. Like, exactly. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So <laughs> sugar and spice and everything. Nice. We are not even close to the things I actually want to talk about. And we've already been talking for a long time. Ah, oh, okay. Dude, I think we got to skip this time and I'm going to have to have you back on later. We got to get in to um, like you played in Hungary and Japan. And like, I, I personally never played in any of those. I tried to go to the Asian league. Um, my, right when I was going to Cardiff, I had, I had a hot one out there. It was between me and another guy. They decided to go with the other guy. I don't know what his name was. He was probably taller and skinnier and more attractive than me, but they went with him and, uh, and I never found out, which is probably good because Zoe would have been born over there instead of in Wales, which is great. So maybe you could give us a little rundown of either Hungary or Japan first. I don't even care. I'm so interested in both. Well, the team that I played for in Hungary was in the Austrian league. So like there's a difference between the Hungarian league and the Austrian league. And it's like about 10 levels in between the two of those. So I played in Norway. The, I went Italy. Then I went to up a league and I went to Norway. I listened to a terrible agent who told me that I should just sign in Italy. And I had no idea about Europe. I don't know if that ever happened to you, but I should have started in Austria, the DEL. And I just went to Italy. Cause he's like, Oh, this is a great deal. This is good money. It's the best you're going to get. My stupid ass at the time was naive. Didn't know anything. Didn't ask anyone. And I jumped at it. 
So I started like two leagues down below where I probably should have coming out of the career. I decent numbers in the AHL for my type of player. So I go to Italy, whatever, step up the next year, go to Norway, really trying to get into Germany or Austria in the DEL or the Ebel and uh, talking to a couple teams in the Ebel and less money in Austria in the Ebel in an unreal city in Graz. But the coach was did not like what he was saying to me whatsoever. Like not even a little bit, his philosophies. I was like, I will not have, he sounded like my junior coach. I was like, I will not have fun here. I'll probably wind what up. What was his name? What was his name? Um, it's the guy from Denmark that nobody likes. His no, son played for yeah. Blue Jackets. Uh, Mario Simone. <laughs> no, no, not him. Uh, uh, Todd Bjorkstrand. Oh, Todd Bjorkstrand. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he was a big coach in Denmark and, and, He's won a lot in Denmark and stuff like that, but like he went through like the maximum amount of players in Austria the year I turned him down. He had like he went through like fifty roster spots, and he was offering me a tryout. And I was like, dude, I was on I, like look how many goals I scored the last two years over in Europe. I'm gonna kill it in this league too. And he was like, just like I didn't like the stuff he was saying to me. So uh, and then he got mad at me when I decided to sign with the Hungarian team because they were offering me more money and kind of like Western. It was one of the worst teams in the league, and I was like, I'd rather play. So I went there because I knew I'd probably have a shot at playing more. And uh, whenever we played them, I'd always score. And I just look at him because he like, I don't think he cussed me out, but he might have for not signing with him. And I was like, okay, you just made my decision. Made me feel better about it. So then I go to this team in, in Hungary and they paid you in cash uh, once a month. Uh, you, you know, I had a wife at the time. I was married at the time. So I'd call her and it wasn't anything shady. Like you hear about in Russia, like that's just how they did it probably to keep money away from the government. And I'm sure the presidents or owners were maybe pocketing a little bit of that money, no doubt about it. Um, and so, you know, my, I, randomly they'd be like, Oh, it's payday. Go to the office, get your money. And it was always the full amount in Euro. So I'd have to call my wife and be like, Hey, I just got paid drive up here. I'm not leaving this much money in my stall. And so she'd come up, I'd go out there in like my half gear as I'm getting dressed, give her the money. She'd go put it in the bank. Like it was hilarious, but dude, best people ever best rink I've ever played in other than Western Michigan, best fans. Literally I could go back there and run for the mayor of that city. It was so much fun. Um, and, uh, played in the Austrian league, one of the best leagues in Europe. It was unbelievable. It was so fun. We were always an underdog. I literally kind of felt like it was a Western Michigan, you know, if we won, it was like, yeah, you fucking won. Like, that's amazing. And if we lost, like everybody be mad, but it's like, well, Red Bulls budgets four times yours. Of course they're going to beat you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The Red Bull team in that league is, uh, I mean, it's, it's really like they have a different sponsor than the rest. And that's kind of what hockey is in Europe, right? There's, the start of the season, there's there's four teams usually in a league that maybe can win. Then yeah. there's four teams that are in the middle of the pack. Always. And then, the, and then there's the four teams at the bottom. And everybody knows exactly where they're at at the start of the season. And it's all based on budget, which is, uh, yeah. So, Wild. Um, so hung, Hungary, like overall like that that was a positive experience so like what kind of foods in hungary like is it it's not like german food and it's not like danish food that i know Dude, of. it's so unreal like, what is it it's unreal i i liked hungarian food better than italian food and I, i'm i'm half italian i lived in italy like truly like not not american italian or canadian italian which i'm sure is the same where it's like 
it tastes delicious. It's so bad for you. Like Italian food is super clean and super light and very minimalistic. Like it's really, it's, it's really good. It's tasty, but like Hungarian food tastes better. Like goulash, have you had goulash? It fucking slaps, man. It's like steak in a soup. Like what? Steak soup? Yeah, <laughs> sign me up, man. Let's go. Yeah, it's like steak and potatoes and carrots and like a delicious broth. And so we were always eating that. And we got free lunch every single day through the team there. So I saved a hilarious amount of money. We got deals all around the city at all the restaurants. Their food, they serve like they're like a four-course meal type of type of cuisine. Um, when you go to a restaurant, so you get like, you know the appetizer, the entree, the dessert, the cappuccino at the end. Like, dude, it's fucking awesome. Like Budapest, my favorite European city. Anyone listening to this world goes back to normal. You're looking for not only a cheap place to go, but like super fun, super fun people. Uh, Budapest, unbelievable. Hands down. Prague and Budapest look like twins. You wouldn't even know the difference. <laughs> yeah, the man, some of the cities over there that like, I know there's a lot of people that, you know, it's tough to get over there and it costs money. Um, but if you do get a chance, there's some spots over there that like I've heard Croatia, I never got there. I heard Croatia was wild, but um, anyways, the last thing we got to talk about though, like Hungary is something I never saw. I never played in the Austrian league, um, but you played in Japan, man. What yeah. what kind of uh, pregame meals are you eating in Japan? And, uh, like, what was the hockey like? Because what I'm picturing is you being taller than most players and um, them being really fast and um, forechecking way harder than I would ever want. And I think I might even struggle in that league because they'd just be going too fast for me. Yeah, dude, it was, it was wild. Like I heard going over there and like, I don't know, like I, my best characteristic on the ice was that I was really fast. And I heard like, it's so fast. Like you're going to have a hard time when you first get there. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, no, not me. Like I, maybe they have better vision than me. Of course everyone does, but like, they're not going to be faster than me, but like literally man, it was, it was there's They train so hard. They care so much. They just don't have the coaching when they're younger. Like if they got real coaches over there, from being little kids, like they'd be the best hockey country because they don't stop working. They, if you play in a Japanese team as a, and you're a pro there, you literally are at the rink or at the clubhouse where the gym is and stuff for like eight hours every single day. And you're, you don't, yeah, you do. They, it's a, like they, t- they, they see it as like a real job. Like anyone else has a real job. So they just think they got to be there the whole frigging day. It's insane, but uh, they're awesome people. They work so hard. They're so fun. So you, you were at the rink. No, I wasn't the Japanese guys, the Nash, all the guys. I thought you were there for eight hours a day. And I was like, dude, get the hell out of there, man. You got to No, No, not even for that money for me. I mean, cause you know, you said you tried to get to that league. Like it's super hard to get to that league. Uh, every, almost everyone in the league when I played there had NHL games or had like a citizenship somehow with one of those countries and they pay very well for for like guys like you and I so super hard to get there I got love I had a really good year and a guy who was best friends with the coach there is, is kind of how I got there and uh um yeah but like pregame meals they were 
you, you could, I could have asked for whatever I wanted and they would have given them to us because the teams there have disgusting budgets. Our, our team was owned by the company that makes Kleenex the brand, like K-L-E-E-N-E-X. Like that was on our jerseys. Their, their budget was unlimited. We flew to every single team except for one. I had my own room on the road everywhere we went for two years. Like it was literally unbelievable. I got treated so well. I would have played there until the wheels fell off for me. They didn't want to sign me after my second year, even though I killed the league again because we didn't win the championship. But like, I was like, dear, like we weren't going to, we're not good enough. But um, uh, I loved it. I'd have uh, Soba. I spoke a little Japanese when I was there. And that was like one of the only things I knew. how. So I'd always say that to people. Um, but I'd have Ebi Ten Soba, which was like broth with fried shrimp, believe it or not, um, noodles. They'd crack like a uh, an egg into it. And like the hotness of the broth would like heat up the egg kind of. And I'd have rice a lot of times. And um, I don't know, man, the food in Japan was money. Like obviously they eat some weird stuff. On the road, they had Amer- the, the North American dinner. And the, like, if we'd have to take a bus to the airport after a game or something, we'd have bento boxes and it'd be the, the import dinners and the Japanese dinners. And they were always completely different. And the Japanese dinners would have like full little fishes, like with eyeballs and not skinned or deboned. And they literally would just cold fish, full fish head first into their mouth and just bite the head off. And I just took, I didn't have Instagram back then. God, I wish I did, but I, I had so many videos on my old phones watching these savages eat whole fishes, but it was, uh, it was super interesting. And literally like, if you, if you could get past, I had some bad experiences in Italy, like that, that league was just not professional at all, but uh, I'm sure you had those, but like that made me realize, okay, Europe's not the American hockey league. This isn't the NHL. This isn't the AHL. This isn't the ECHL. So like lower your expectations. You're here to have fun and to make money. So just play well and make money. Like, let's go no matter what happens. And so like, I saw some weird ass stuff, but like, I love Japan, man. I, I absolutely loved it. I would have played there till I was 40. Um, I actually saw that today because I had heard of a bit of the money over there and I had heard of like, yeah, like I don't know anything. I'm not going to pretend I do. I just know that there's like arenas like in casinos where people are gambling and they're gambling and you're playing a hockey game while they're gambling. Is that not correct? Uh, not, not, not in the league I was in. That might be China. China does some weird stuff, but uh, we did, we went every year for like, we'd go on like a three week road trip to like really big cities in Japan, Tokyo. And, you know, I don't even remember the other names. Um, and uh, we, we'd play at rinks that like were not meant to have professional hockey games. Like we played at one rink that had glass, like, like plexiglass boards, but like the boards were like super giving to where like, that league is like there's all the Japanese guys are jacked. Cause like I said, they work out for ever, every day. Um, they're just a little bit smaller on the whole, probably like in between your size and my size, like medium. And uh, what do you say? I never skate. <laughs> well, you're a little guy, you know that, but you're gross <laughs> at hockey and life. Um, but uh, and the team we were playing against was our rivals and they had on, they had three former NHLers on the team. And they were, and one of them was Stefan Bayou. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's an absolute meat stick. He just, he played like that like in that league. Like it was the NHL because he was getting paid so much money. It was hilarious. But uh, for that league, it's literally hilariously insane. But anyways, he's running around. And I remember going at the red line, like, Hey, like 
let's let's make a pact here like let's not hit each other into that boards right there because like one of us is going fucking through it because right behind the rink was a pool that was open not like people swimming but the the like it, you could see the pool and pools are warm and they cause heat heat in the building and condensation so like that's how bad the ice was in this one rink we played in because it was like a tour to try and grow the game of hockey throughout japan and we played in some just hilarious barns that were just like not meant for professional hockey not meant for that level but it was just you know you did what you did and, and we had fun man um so how many imports do they have in those leagues because realistically when you break it down like i've had really close german friends right they're when you're on a team you might have a couple right but then like i go to cardiff and it's 11 canadians and whatever and the British guys, and you have more closer friends than say in Germany or in Denmark, because your cultures are different. Um, they're just, you're just not quite in sync. Right. Um, what was that like over there? Like how many imports were there? And were, was it like, there were the Japanese guys and then there was the imports. Cause like you said, with the meals, because the way I liked it, my teams in Germany, when the Germans and the imports got along and everybody was a team, you won. Yep. When they were separate, you lost. 100%. Well, so over the course of my overseas career, Italy, we had eight. Norway, because it was like we had a bunch of Canadian Americans. I think you could have six that year. Or you could have seven, and we had nine. That's what it was. Uh, Norway was seven. Uh, Austrian league when I was in Hungary was like 10 or 11. Um, and then the other Norwegian team played on the same and Japan was three. So it was all my team was jet. So the, in that league too, there was Russia, China, three teams in South Korea and four teams in Japan. So it was like, you flew everywhere all over the place to all these different countries. So that was really cool getting to see other countries as well. Um, but yeah, man, we had a translator. His name was Konami Yamaguchi and, uh, <laughs> he was not a hockey player. He could not skate. Um, but he'd go out on the ice and this is not a joke. You're laughing, trying not to laugh in the mic. I see it. And, uh, he'd come out on the ice. And so the way that every single practice worked coaches up at the board, like a normal hockey team, all the boys are on taking a knee in front of them. And then the three imports would take a knee, um, or stand up in the back and our translator kind of as they say in J Japanese, we call him Konami or Gooch. His name is Yamaguchi. And, and he didn't know what a Gooch was. <laughs> so, uh, so Gooch would be standing there back there with us. And, and he would be um, translating what the coach is saying. And this went on on the bench, in the locker room, you know, in the lunchroom, wherever. If I needed to go to the grocery store and I didn't feel comfortable going in the beginning, I'd be like, hey, Konami, uh, can you pick me up? Take, take uh, my wife and I to the grocery store. And he'd walk through, he'd talk to people for us. He'd tell us what everything was like he, his literally his only job was to translate for the imports, do our paperwork, all that stuff. Like that was his full-time job. And, and it was amazing. Like his wife would take, you know, the wives out, girlfriends out, whoever was there. And, uh, but I'll say the Japanese guys, most of them were, were super, super, super friendly and wanted to be friends with us, but only a couple of them spoke like, tra tra uh, conversational English. Some could say a thing every now and then and they pretend they knew what you were saying, but then they'd look at Gooch and ask him to translate. So like mid game, I'd come off the bench, come on the bench. And I'd be pissed off at somebody for not doing something. And I'd be like, Konami, get over here. 
tell him, blah, 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 blah. And then you see Konami say it, but I learned English uh, or Japanese well enough that he would also not say what I was saying so he wouldn't hurt the Japanese guy's feelings. Like, you're a teammate, you're going to say real stuff, you know, and they have kind of a different culture there. And I remember giving a speech one time after a game where we just shit the bed and we were one of the best teams in the league in Japan my first year. And I went off on the team like I would on any U.S. team as, as a captain or a leader. And uh, I knew enough Japanese by, by that time where I was like, you're fucking not saying what I'm saying, Konami. Say what I'm fucking saying. And then he had to tell the team what I was saying. And I, then I could tell he was saying it. And you see the guy's eyes like, oh, <laughs> I've never been talked to this way. Like it, was, it was awesome, man. It was a great experience. <laughs> Like all the different countries you live in, the different experiences you have, like it really does make you the person you are, right? Like um, I come home and make German meals and, uh, you know, Danish stuff. And like, it, it makes you who you are. Like, you know, the food over there, you know, the people over there and how they, how they roll. And I don't, um, that's why I'm so curious um but uh like it really is crazy what the hockey world can bring you and all the different places it can take you and like for me i'm sitting here in kikard and i haven't gone anywhere in five years like i haven't left i haven't even left bruce county which by the way we had wow. the biggest news ever this this week is the kikard canucks are back, baby. We're coming back for phase three and uh, knock on wood that nothing changes, but like, we're going to get to uh, Colby's going to get to play a little more hockey before this is over. There we go, man. That's unbelievable. That's yeah. Canada's wild right now. Like they're like insanely restrict. I've literally been living my life almost normally, except like, except if I go into, I don't really grocery shop. I have a deal with a food company here that, that gives me food, but like, if I do have to go grab some groceries, that's like the only time I wear a mask. Or if I walk into a restaurant, like till you sit down, then you take it off and life is normal. You know, like it's, it's wild. It's so what hockey's normal here. Like for the most part, some places you can't have fans or whatever, but like kids are all playing guys are playing pros are playing like wild. Is that it's right? so Dude. Yeah. I'm live. I literally live life like 90% normally to my daily life. Like I can't go to concerts or anything yet, but like, other than that, like life's pretty normal. Um, I haven't left my house other than to walk the dog and go to the Amberly store to pick up on uh, consumables and uh, kids candy um, for months. Like we're in lockdown. Like we're not even supposed to do anything. And like, I'm living in a rural area where there's nothing around except farmer's fields and a nuclear power plant where, yeah, there's lots of workers coming here, but like, we don't have cases around here, but like it was a full Ontario lockdown. So our minor hockey stopped where when we're in the middle of having a great time, I love coaching these kids, man. Like I really do. Like it's my passion outside of this podcast <laughs> and uh, coaching the kids and trying to make the Concord Canucks the best gosh darn 2012 team that ever happened. Um, like, yeah, like uh, it will be nice to be back, man. And it, it really made my day today. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, that's super exciting. I'm happy for you. God, I hope life goes back to normal for you soon. That's got to be insane being cooped up that long. 
Yeah, man. Um, well, do you got anything else we got to say before uh, we shut her down here? I don't think so, man. I'm happy you're doing this. I'm excited you're doing this. You're clearly having a good time. I had a good time. Uh, appreciate appreciate it. And the old Western boys, if anybody's listening to this and they want the free workouts, man, seriously, I mean that. I'd love to uh, talk to you guys and and uh, and help you out with that stuff and just talk like me and Wally have here a couple times now in the last month. And both times have been some of the most fun nights I've had in a long time. So thanks, brah. Yeah, like realistically, that's what this podcast has done for me, though, is like I'm talking to you. I'm talking to so many people in my past that we didn't have a reason to text. We didn't have a reason to call. And now all of a sudden we do. And man, like the the, the messages I've got are it's surreal. Like I, it's, yeah, it's like Lisa says, we've lived two different lives. We've lived this life we're living now where we uh, we're here and like, I'm working and I'm doing the best job I can at my job. And uh, the kids go to school and Lisa's doing the best job she can at her job. And every, you know, we're just, we're here where before that, like it was every eight months we moved across the ocean we lived in a different place we met different people and it's it is different and it's quite the story for all of us isn't it like look at your story man like look at all the places you went to and now you're training nhl players to the point where you had to retire just to train all these people because you could still be playing (laughs) man like look at you you make me look like a fat turd Oh, I easily could still be. I was still getting pretty good contract, good contract offers after my 10th year. But, um, you know, just with my concussions, I was always worried. What's the next one going to do? I had so many. I had so many. And uh, and then my business was like literally like really taking off. And I was like, well, I don't have to. We're, I'm not going to play in the NHL. Obviously, that ship sailed seven years ago. So, like, why risk my brain kind of thing? I've had a great run. I don't want to wind up a vegetable next year. And uh, I had a good opportunity to move into a gym. So, yeah, man, I've been doing that. And it's it's been so much fun. And, and now doing the podcast and having people on like you has been fucking badass. Well, man, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for literally inspiring me to do this because uh, – I haven't been this happy in a very long time. <laughs> hey, yeah, man, it's yeah, fun. yeah, it's man. Like- it's it's uh, it's been really fun, man. Like I've been in a good mood all week. I've I feel like I'm walking on the clouds because I'm talking to all you boys. Everybody's DMing me like I'm a hot chick again. Like it's crazy, man, <laughs> dude. Like, like I'm getting-, getting up twenty college oh dude it's like i i got fake tits and the whole thing like i'm getting (laughs) i'm getting dms from everybody and they're like dude this that like i get it's from my hometown it's from this it's from there and i'm like dude i was just walking the dog and like decided i could do it and uh guy guy made a logo guy made a name Next thing you know, we're interviewing someone, and uh, here we are. Fucking rights. I love it. I can tell you're having fun. It's kind of like being back in the locker room, honestly. It, Just it, laughing or going out to lunch with one of the boys after a practice or something on a Wednesday. You know, everybody, you know, all your friends are working at home, and you're out to lunch having a cappuccino on a patio in Europe. Like, that's kind of how I feel like it is. It's so much fun here. 
Man, that's a, like, I, yeah, we shouldn't talk about it too much because other guys might start them. So we better stop now, eh? Um, okay, well, thank you so much, Vex, man. Like, thank you for inspiring me to start this because I won't lie to you. I haven't been this happy in a long time. And the other day, I walked the dog down to the beach. I got the music playing in the headphones. And I was feeling so good because I was texting with all these guys and bringing back all these memories. I just did a full-blown dance on the beach with the <laughs> headphones on, like with the dog. And the dog's looking at me like, what is your problem? And I'm down at the beach, like just breaking it down by myself. And I was like, man, I haven't, I haven't felt like Wally in so long. That, like, oh, that's glorious. I wish that was on tape. I'm glad it wasn't, man, because uh, no, awesome. I was breaking it down. Wally's back, baby. <laughs> Wally's back. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, buddy. Thank you. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Santa Claus. I'm like Pete Southdowns and Zans. I'm always sticking my mind.